Liberty First Credit Union, much like our Huskers or 95 Huskers pursuit of excellence, excellence on the field. Liberty First pursues excellence in every aspect of their service. Their uh, fresh perspective, backed by 88 years of experience, holds great financial options for the community. I encourage each of you to stop by their Omaha, Lincoln, or Seward locations. Uh, they have a 5.5% APY checking accounts and can be your playbook to your financial journey. Now, with all that being done, now I get to ask these guys questions that I've never been able to ask. Because the way it was when I was a freshman, I think I was about what, Abdul? About 180, 85? That's, 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 correct. And, that's and, correct. And the thing about Tony, he didn't talk to me until I started playing good. He's one of my boys, <laughs> but, you know, to be honest with you. And then AD was great because he drafted me in the intramural basketball league. Now, we, we, he will tell you that I left via free agency or NIL deal for it. I had a Burger yeah. King. I love Burger King. Somebody gave me a couple Burger King gift cards, and I left the team. That was my biggest mistake. For two gift cards, he yeah, left. two gift cards. It was a mistake. They beat us in the championship. But I want to ask Abdul first because I knew about Abdul because Coach Brown recruited me. And Coach Brown tried to convince me to be a wingback. And I said, uh, I looked at Abdul. He had like 20-some catches. And I was like, nah, bro, I'm not running around on the ground for that. But I want to ask you, Abdul, for somebody that came all the way from California, had tons of offers, could get open in a phone booth. Trust me, I've seen it. You know, he, he, he shook me up all the time. What, what made you come to Nebraska, number one, and talk about the leadership that you had to bestow on that team in 94 to get that leap into that championship mode? Well, one of the things uh, that brought me to Nebraska was just the aura of Nebraska, watching the Huskers on TV growing up uh, as a young kid. I started playing football about eight years old. Okay. Uh, we had this cable station back in California. It was called Prime Ticket. So on oh, Prime yeah. Ticket, every Sunday they would show the replay of Nebraska games. And I would watch, and uh, I just gravitated that time to Husker football. And this is a crazy story, a true story. My mom just can't believe this to this day, that at 10 years old one day I came home from playing outside with friends, uh, sat on the couch, Nebraska was coming on, and I told my mom I was going to play in Nebraska. I was 10. I was 10 years old. I said I was going to play in the University of Nebraska. She was like, why you say that? I said, I just love that team. I was 10 years old, man, and they just, I gravitated to what they were doing, how they were playing football, uh, and I just wanted to be a part of it at 10 years old. And so that never left, even through the, the high school recruiting, you know, with Jimmy Johnson coming up to the school and when Miami was just running everything. You know, everybody just knew I was going to Miami. Um, when I committed and signed to Nebraska, people were shocked. Like, dude, you going to block? Like, no, seriously, you know, it was real. But my love and my heart was with the University of Nebraska. Never been there. Everybody talking about these, this country, right. no city, cows, yeah. pigs, right? Yeah. And so I, that had no effect on me. As a kid, I'm thinking, I want to be a Husker. And um, that's what I became. Yeah. And so when I got there, like you said, the leadership, I came in right. with uh, Tony Velen, 91 class, uh, tough class. Yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. Uh, like, we, we sat... We set a table. 
and we said it early, my, our good buddy, Dwayne Harris, never forget, we're doing testing freshman year. We in the cup, and we just pooped tight. Uh, I didn't pass the 300 shuttle, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but we're doing testing, did. and everybody is tired, poop, sitting on the wall, and Dwayne Harris get up. And this gives me chills all the time because if you watch the 94 championship, Dwayne Harris sacks Costa in the end zone for a safety. And he got his jersey in one hand, and with the other hand, he do this, right? <laughs> For two, mm -hmm. Dwayne Harris, our freshman year, got up in the cook and said, we leaving here with two championships. In that same exact stance, in that same way he flicked the two up, is the same way our freshman year, he said, we leaving here with two championships. He said it that day. It was the first day we were all together. And I'll never forget that. Right. And that's one of my most memorable plays as a Husker. And I wasn't even involved in it. Right. That's great, man. Give yeah. Abdul a yeah. round of applause. That's a great story. <laughs> now to uh, my man to my left, Tony Veland. I want to ask you. He's a silent assassin. And uh, I want to ask you, Tony, before we played in Florida. I mean, first of all, my whole freshman year, Tony would just look at just like that. Just like that. That's how he look at me. And I'd be like, man, is he, does he want to fight me? Does he like me? So then I'd try to be, you know, try to push up on him, and he'd just, keep, he'd just leave me under dust. But before the 95 game, he gave one of the most, the, the best speech that you could think of. Because Tony didn't say anything. I'd call him, he's like, remember E.F. Hutton? When he speaks, everybody listens. Mm -hmm. That's Tony. Talk about your leadership style. Talk about moving from quarterback to safety. And just talk about how you overcame all you needed to to be a big influence on that 95 team. Because whether Tony likes it or not, and he don't like to get a lot of accolades, he was a big, bigger influence than what people give him credit for, at least on me, but then also on the team. I appreciate that. That's a lot there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What's the question again? Yeah. Talk about what, talk about how you became the um, silent assassin. So for me, my, my leadership style was always number one, treat people the way they want to be treated. Number two, be the example, right? So you know, I come to Nebraska, and um, I know I'm coming to a place that is super competitive. We're already performing at a high level, and for us to get to a higher level, that means everybody has to step up their game. So my thing was to to, to lead that to lead that charge, right? You know, I came in as a quarterback, um, wanting to be the guy, you know, wanting to have the, the spotlight on me and score all these touchdowns. Well, circumstances changed that. Um, had a bunch of injuries and this and that. And in my mind, you know, being the best football player that I could be was like priority, priority number one, you know? And so my mindset was I wasn't gonna let these injuries beat me. I wasn't gonna let my players down. I wasn't gonna let my team and my coaches down. But more importantly, I wasn't gonna let myself down. I wasn't gonna let, you know, this whole thing decide my fate. You know, so I was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna make sure I get myself back out there. I'm just gonna compete. And I took pride in being an athlete, which means if you feel like you're an athlete, it's like, okay, if I can't play here, I can play somewhere else. You're gonna put right. me somewhere on this field and, and I'm gonna make plays for this team. You know, and so that's 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 just the way um, that I grew up and so battling through those injuries, came back, got back on the field. And again, it was just all about, you know, what can I do to contribute? You know, what can I do, you know, to show this team that I'm all about them, but I'm also, also all about us, you know, getting to that next level. Um, I think 
some, some, some of the fans don't really understand how monumental of a feat it was to go from a team that is, you know, status quo, conference championships, um, you're losing one game a year, and, and to have everybody be on the same page and say, listen, that's not enough. You know, that's not enough. You know, y'all win 12 games. We, we, we got a conference championship every single year. You're going to a bowl game every single year. Everybody on that team was like, that's not enough. But the reason that happens is because you have, you know, people like the Jay Formers, you know, people like Aaron Grams, the people like um, Christian Peters that says, that's not enough. And we have to take the lead. We have to leave the charge to make sure that everybody follows suit. So for me, that's what it was all about. I'm trying to be the best player I could be. Um, and at the same time, let's be honest, we had some knuckleheads on our team. <laughs> we, we, we had a few knuckleheads on our team. So, um, you know, I think, you know, a team, you know, you got to have a balance of that. You got to have some crazy cats, but you also have to have some cats who are level-headed and, and, and lead the right way so that they can kind of, you know, rub, rub off with each other. And so for me, my charge was to make sure that I'm doing all the right things, that I'm leading the right way. Even if I'm not the best player, I'm, I don't have to be the best player, but I'm putting the effort out there to show that I'm trying to be. And if people follow suit, then we were going to be able to excel, and that's pretty much what happened. Good. Give Tony a round of applause, man. I, I'm a big believer in uh, we, we're going off a little, little schedule uh, that we usually do, so you guys are getting a treat. So we appreciate you guys coming. Uh, we're going to throw it up to AD and let, let him get back on schedule, because I've been told by my... Uh, Evil Angel over here. We're in Vashon. I need to get back on schedule. I'm going to throw it to AD, let him do a live read. Uh, yes, we got another live read. Let's, first of all, let's give another round of applause for all the guys that, that spoke up there. Um, what Tony and when Abdul both said, that was the, the culture of Nebraska. And they mentioned Dr. Stark before, but it, it was a culture that was established that was there. Uh, good enough was not good enough. I mean, that, that was just the standard. And Abdul being my big brother, when I came in, that was Abdul Muhammad, Corey Dixon, Tremaine Bell. Uh, they taught you how you practiced at Nebraska, how you, how you did every drill at Nebraska, the way that you carried yourself in Nebraska. And there was a certain way that you practiced. There was, no, there was no slothing going on. You went after it every day, and you were going to be physical. And that was the way that we were trained to play, and we passed that down to the next person. One of the biggest things about us, and I hope to see that again, we didn't play at Nebraska. We played for Nebraska. And there's a major difference in that. And these guys were uh, a lot of the pioneers of doing that, of course, with Coach Osborne and our coaching staff. But uh, today's presentation is also presented by Ovation uh, Hartwood Preserve. Ovation Hartwood Preserve is an upscale senior living community located in West Omaha. Uh, and Omaha's Choice Award winner for both assisted living and memory support with independent living, opening in 2024. Uh, we would like to uh, take a moment and thank our veteran-owned business, uh, Roger Mortuaries, Mortuaries, for sponsoring our Fallen Soldier table off to the right, to the left. You can see right to the left over there, both of those tables they sponsored uh, as well. In honor of our Veterans Month, if we have any veterans in the house, please raise your hand. Veterans. Round of applause. Please stand up. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Be recognized. Thank you for your thank service. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. And each Big Red Brunch will be streaming live on 93.7, uh, the Ticket FM in partnership with the Omaha World Herald. Um, and so, folks, we thank you for that relationship with the Omaha World Herald. That's been uh, huge for us, uh, having a fingerprint and a footprint here in the Omaha area. Because in the day, it's, 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 it's we're all Nebraskans. Look at your neighbor and say, we in this together. 
No, Weird. look at your neighbor and actually say that. <laughs> say we're in this together. We're in this yeah. together. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Go ahead, VJ. Okay, real quick, what we, what we like to do every time we do these big red brunches for our fallen soldiers, for our military, is we like to read the fallen soldiers table. This table is reserved to honor our brave and selfless American military members who have perished, who have not been returned to us after being taken prisoner on foreign soil, and those who went missing and have not found their way back home. This, the table is round to show our everlasting concern for our missing soldiers. The cloth is white, symbolizing the purity of their motives when answering the call to serve. The single red rose displayed in a vase reminds us of the lives of these Americans and their loved ones and friends who keep the faith while seeking answers. The red ribbon symbolizes our continued determination to account for our missing. A slice of lemon reminds us of their battle, of their bitter fate, captured and missing in foreign land. A pinch of salt symbolizes the tears of our missing and the families who long for answers after decades of uncertainty. The lighted candle reflects our hope for their return, alive or dead. The Bible represents the strength gained through faith to sustain us and those lost from our country, founded as one nation under God, the glass inverted, symbolizing their inability to share a toast, the chairs empty, the seat that remains unclaimed at the table. So, we want to give a big shout out to McGinnis Roofing. Terrell Farley, you want to come on up? Come on up here, Terrell. You guys give it up for Terrell, probably the fastest linebacker. I just, I tell him all the time, he's just a, he's a glorified safety. That's all he is, is a glorified safety. He was a safety playing linebacker. But he did an excellent, awesome job uh, uh, doing that. Before we be be begin this discussion, we'll be testing your Husker knowledge. You got those little cards in front of you right there? Okay, don't pull your cell phones out. No cell phones. No cheating. Okay, don't be being like, like Michigan. Spygate. Don't do that. It'll get your coach hammered. Don't do it. All right, so up here, I'm going to read them. And this is by table, so you guys can concur and confer with each other for the answer. All right. No cell phones. Number one, Nebraska beat Michigan State early in the season, 50 to 10, and Tyler Osborne told which coach his team wasn't that bad. Don't say it out loud. It should be easy. Is Sam in the building? Is that Sam back there? I see you, Sam. Don't try to hide. Stand up, Sam. Sam McEwen, man. Appreciate you. I'm all world herald helping putting this together. All right. All right, question number, should I give it, sir? Did y'all get that right, Nick Saban? Who got it wrong? Raise your hand. The, oh, the, okay, I, I don't want to throw you. Just stand up if you got it wrong. Okay. <laughs> All right, question number two. Question number two. Which ESPN analyst picked Florida to beat Nebraska in the Fiesta Bowl because the game was played on grass? Everybody in here should get this one. You know the answer? He don't know. He don't know the answer. <laughs> hey, and this guy, this guy was adamant about that prediction, too. Yes, he was. Adamant. Not so fast, my friend. Yeah. Who was it? He didn't told him. Lee Corso. <laughs> we never liked Lee Corso. You remember when we went to the ball game and Lee Corso was talking crazy to us? Both bowl games. Both bowl back games. Back. back to back. Yeah, talking about we was going to lose. Both. Lee Corso still owe us to this day. Yeah, he do. <laughs> 
Just like Uncle Luke owes to this day. All right, here we go. Question number three. Tommy Frazier finished second in the Heisman voting after the 1995 season. Who won the award? It's a little bit tough. No, no, no. If you just said that, that's wrong over there. Somebody said Charlie Ward. No, that was in 93. <laughs> Charlie Ward is not it. I'm trying to help you a little bit. All right, here's the answer. Eddie George. Y'all didn't get that right? You guys get it right? You got it right? No. Who'd you pick? Danny Warfel. No, you're here. All right, question four. Frazier's famous touchdown run against Florida came at the end of which quarter? Ooh, that's a tough one. Which quarter? Which, which quarter? You remember? You remember? No, I didn't say four. I didn't say four. I think three or two or three. What's the answer? Third quarter. <laughs> the captain knew. Tony Veland, the captain knew. All right, number five. This former walk-on from the state of Indiana led the Huskers in sacks in 1995. Who was he? 95. Did somebody say Jared Thomas? I'm gonna save you. No. Ooh, that threw a monkey wrench in there. Is that Jack Stark? You didn't say Jared Thomas, did you? Jack, you over here talking about Jerry Thomas? Jack, you need to, those listening tapes, you need to listen to some of those. What's the answer? Ah, Jack Stark was right. You guys thought, you thought I knew more than Jack Stark? Nah, I'm just kidding. Okay, so that was the last question. How many, how many, which table got them all right? Where? This table. You guys did a good job, too. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to go around and collect. We're going to go around and collect your cards, and then there's raffle tickets. We're going to give away a couple tickets to the Iowa game, and we're also going to give away this nice little koozie and some Omaha steaks. <laughs> Omaha steaks. But while we do that, Tony, I, I got a question for you. So I was a team captain. I was two years after you. But that was one of the greatest pregame speeches ever that you gave. Two years later, when I was a captain, they asked me to do a pregame speech. Let's just say I plagiarized a little bit of your speech. <laughs> That's all right. So I want to tell you that in your face. So good. I took That's some so of your good. stuff. Hey, Thank you. Verbatim. Verb no, no, no. It wasn't verbatim. Hold on. I changed the words. I will take the flattery. It's all good. <laughs> but, but no, I, I just want to ask you, because you were there, you did play quarterback. You are from Omaha. And there was a lot of back then, there was a lot of, a lot of young men that was from Omaha in the Lincoln area. But just tell the people a little bit about being from Omaha and having an opportunity to play for a Husker. How long had you want to do that? And then getting the opportunity to do that, what was that like? Oh, wow. So that's, okay, so that's a little different because, uh, to be honest, like I wasn't a, a huge Husker fan when I was a kid. And it wasn't because I didn't like the Huskers. It was just, just because I like NFL. So I paid much more attention to that. The other side of that was my dad was an avid Boomer Sooner. Loved Oklahoma Sooners. Loved them. I mean, he did. He just did. So I remember, I think it was probably 10 or 11, we were watching one of the games, and 
you know, I used to like, to, you know, some of the players. So, you know, looking at the quarterbacks at that time, they had great quarterbacks. But my dad would always get mad, and, you know, he was always Boomer Sooner. And I'm always silently saying, go Big Red. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't, can't say it right in front of him. So that's when I actually started to like him a little bit. But, you know, really for me it was, you know, I, I was one of those, those guys who, you know, kind of like you're talking a little unassuming, didn't talk a lot. I like to let my, my play on the field speak for me. Um, and I knew I was a decent athlete, but I didn't really have, like, crazy stats. So I wasn't, like, really, really heavily recruited, didn't know if I really had the talent to, to make it to the next level. Um, my junior year, we went down to Lincoln to a football camp, and that was the first time I'd been on campus. It was the first time I'd played against talent outside the state. Um, it was the first time I'd actually been in front of a, a multitude of coaches, you know, that had a chance to, you know, Make, give me a scholarship or something like that and have a, an influence on the direction of my life. And um, I actually did very well. They actually offered me a scholarship at that particular time. I didn't commit, but it was something about the atmosphere, something about the environment that just felt right. It just, it just felt right, you know. Um, and then when you couple that on Coach Osborne coming to recruit me, um, came to one of our basketball games one time. Like, we're in the middle of a basketball game. The game is going. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the crowd just gets quiet. Like, we're still playing. Like, we don't know what the hell is going on. It gets quiet. You know, the ball finally goes out of bounds. And then we see T.O. come in. And, you know, I know he's there to recruit me. So I'm like, I'm about to turn this thing up. We about to do this thing now. <laughs> you know, I'm about to, <laughs> I think I probably had 20-something points later after that, you know. But, you know, he comes into, you know, the, the gym and then comes to my living room. And, you know, he has this huge presence. So I knew I was going after that. But, you know, for me, it was, it was really just, it was, it was an amazing thing because at that time we had some pretty good talent in, in, in um, Nebraska and Omaha. Um, and at that time, I know it's, it's, it's like that now, but it wasn't for a while. You know, the college was actually paying attention to the local talent. You know, we, and, and we were also, like, if we could get to Nebraska, we were going. You know, it hasn't been that way for a while. Now we're finally back to the point where, you know, these coaches are like, we have to pay attention to these kids who are around here. You know, we have some good, pretty good talent. We can't lose these kids that are in our backyard. And now I think we're starting to go the, direct, the direction that we're supposed to. But, but yeah, coming to Nebraska was, was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Last question before I turn it back over to uh, AD. Abdul, you were part of the itty-bitty receiving committee. You guys heard of that before? So, some of you old, old heads, you heard of that. Well, it's, it's a bunch of guys that was 5'8", I call them 5'6", and below. And you couldn't see them, but you felt them. It was like a little gnat, a, lark, a fly. They were so good at blocking. I don't know how, because it was only this big. But I'll do it no seriously. I'll do a spring to block. Everybody talks about 1994 when we played uh, Miami. And the two touchdowns that, that, that were scored in that game were scored by who? Schlesinger. Who threw the block? Abdul Muhammad, a part of the itty-bitty receiving committee. So, Abdul, talk to me, talk to, let them know a little bit about where did that come about, why did that come about, and why were you guys so good at blocking? Well, you know, that was Coach Brown's 1A uh, at receiver was blocking. In order to get on the field, guys were playing at Nebraska during that time uh, who were better blockers than actual receivers. Uh, you know, guys like Hobine came in playing as a young guy, really good blocker. But a lot of it was just uh, Coach Osborne's beliefs uh, and what he believed in, you know, knocking people on the ground and, and helping them back up. We didn't do a good job 
on the second part, which was helping them back up. But we did a great job at the first part and putting them on the ground. Uh, but one of the things, VJ, we talk about this all the time, the running backs that we had during that time, that if, if you made that key block in that game, you were looking at 70 and 80-yard touchdowns. And that was on the regular during that time. You know, it, 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 I got as much satisfaction at blocking downfield and feeling run, Lauren Phillips, at air running by me, mine green. You feel him running by you, and you know you made the key block on, on those plays, those 70 and 80-yard plays. Uh, it's just that determination, you know, to, to beat your man. Uh, and I think about Joe Jacoby. I don't know if you know guys know who Joe Jacoby was, but he was one of the hogs for the Washington Redskins back in the day. Played offensive line. And when he got inducted to the Hall of Fame, uh, that saying kind of stuck with me, even though it was after. But he said, there's nothing on the football field like moving another man against his will. You can score all the touchdowns you want, be the DB at receive, at, uh, on a receiving play. To tell you the truth, I forgot a lot of the touchdowns. People bring up touchdowns I scored, I forgot about. Until today, seeing this guy, I remember that I caught his first touchdown pass against North Texas, right? You remember that, right? Uh, I forgot about that until I seen you. But those blocks, man, there's a lot of blocks out there that uh, if we can get the wide angles, the helmet's flying up in the air. I know you remember him, A.D. Uh, I remember, too, all tops, Middle Tennessee State, Missouri, on crackback blocks, and you see uh, safeties who's flying downfield, think they're coming to make a play on the option, and we coming from that receiver 100 miles an hour. And, and man, listen, that's when it was legal. That's when it was legal. And so you will see the whole sideline. We have pictures of the whole sideline. Every receiver next to Coach Brown jumping in the air celebrating, and we just ran a five-yard play, right? <laughs> but we on the sideline celebrating blocks, decleater blocks, uh, because that was just bread and butter. That's what we did. We knew we had to do that to win. Winning was more important to everybody on the football field than the individual statistics. Uh, and that was one of the reasons why we were always successful at blocking, and because of who we had at running back. Those running backs, you hear about a lot of, uh, you know, the Lindell White, Reggie Bush, uh, Georgia had a plethora with Gurley and Hurst and all those guys. But, man, that, that, that stable of running backs, I don't think it was done better in the country no. ever. Not at that time. You know, Abdul talked about the physicality, and, I mean, you would – we could – curl back and crack block somebody. In fact, you would have, I know Tony in practice, I went against him every day, being a scout team, him being a black shirt, they, they'd always be looking because they never knew where we were coming from. And now it's different because you think about how in the NFL right now, I mean, you get, when you sack a quarter, there you go, little buddy. I mean, you got to lay him down almost. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, it's reached a level of just insanity to where you can't do that. The way we played a very violent style of play. In fact, as you guys remember, Coach Osborne shares a story on one of our goals, core values, we the most physical team in the country. 
In fact, Coach Osborne shares a stat, and I think it's over 50% of the teams that we played, the following week they lost because so many of their players were beat up or out of the game because of the physicality we played with. Um, I want to bring this to Terrell. Terrell is a quiet, him and Tony are the same, a lot of the same because those, they're, I was, no, no, <laughs> demeanor-wise, because the ones who always did a lot of talking, you didn't really worry about them. It was those ones who you, they would hit you so hard, they'd make you question, do I want to play football anymore? And they wouldn't say anything. And Tony still looks like he could still do it. I mean, he looks like an Under Armour model inside of Shields or something like that. I mean, I mean, it's just... I mean, I mean, it's actually ridiculous. He's 40, 50 years old. I'm like, gosh, I mean, he's in the weight room. Why are you here? You're done, okay? I mean, but... Um, <laughs> I wish I was joking, but I'm serious. But uh, Terrell was a hybrid type of guy to where Terrell is, was such a, um, an outlier. One of my outliers is that he could have played almost any position in the secondary. Linebacker, safety, corner. In fact, when he got to the pros, they did have him at corner, playing some cornerback as well. Terrell, why Nebraska? What gave you the confidence to figure, you know what, I can play with those guys? Why Nebraska? Being a Georgia guy. Uh, well, I started off in junior college, which, which was in Kansas. Um, so I watched Nebraska play a lot on TV. So um, I just wanted to feel, see what it felt like to play with the big boys. Um, they was great guys when I came on my visit. So I just wanted to see where I can make my talent happen on this type of level of football, especially just coming back from a national championship. You know, there's a, if you listen to the show, um, the great – Great. Jackson. What's his first name? You know his first name. Keith. Keith Jackson goes, oh, Nelly, he goes, Terrell Farley, a holy terror. That's one of the most classic lines. And I get goosebumps. I'm just thinking, when you have Keith Jackson saying you're a holy terror, it's something to, it's something to behold. Because Terrell was just a menace out there. He was a bully out there. What he did to defense is Terrell... One of the things that a lot of people talk about how fast you were and athletic, because you were. How did you block so many punts, though? What was, what was the philosophy, the mentality? Because that's a lot of, obviously, there's God-given ability. You either have it or you don't. What made you so special at, at the timing of it? What were things you looked for? Well, first you want to look at the snap and see how long he, he takes to pick the ball up. And first you got to have a great start. Um, then you got to keep your eyes open. A lot of people close their eyes when they block balls or they don't cross their arms together. So it was something I started in high school and ended up having 21 block kicks in high school, ended up having 17 block, 17 block kicks in junior college. You hear what he's saying, right? And, I mean, this is like <laughs> people don't do this on video games, but go ahead. But yeah. it, it was just the art. It was just something that, you know, that I did to get on the field because I didn't play a lot, a lot of high school football. I only started one year in high school. So I had to get on the field, and I blocked punts and blocked kicks to get on my junior year as we won state championship. But I, I learned down the line that it was something that I wanted to do, and I, I yeah. wanted to be great at it. That's insane. You know, I don't think you guys understand the magnitude of the numbers he just talked about. And it's the way that he did it, it really changed games. Remember the Florida game where he should have had the safety? They didn't say it was? Yeah. It was a safety. It was. <laughs> It wasn't a safety. It was a safety. It wasn't a safety. Jamel got the safety the next play. See, don't they, try to take okay, his shine. If you listen to the captain show, this is every morning, 10, don't do to, it. 10 to 12. They, 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 they should have had replay. 
Shamel Williams got the safety. Okay. You don't get a safety unless the refs say safety. Oh, now he won't talk about the refs. There he go. No. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Folks, we also have, we want to bring up, we want to bring up Kenny Wilhite as well and Cluster Johnson. You guys, come on up. Come on come up. On, come Cluster. on, Give Cluster Johnson. Kenny. Kenny Wilhite. Cluster and Kenny. We're going to make it a party up here. Yes. Here. We're going to make it a party. Up, there, as Kenny comes up, I'm going to explain we're gonna make first it a party. of all with Cluster Johnson. Over. Uh, Bellevue West guy, uh, number 33, we called him Tank. You can see he has that walk like a tank. He's just uh, uh, just a, a bowling ball of pain. Uh, Cluster, uh, you know, is an outstanding an out, uh, all-state uh, running back. And all of a sudden, we got Eric Strickland in the house. Give a round with Eric Strickland. Eric Strickland. Eric Strickland. We taught him real quick. He didn't want to play football. I think Tony no. might have been the one that taught him he didn't want to play football. No, Eric Strickland made a business decision. You guys got to share the, <laughs> you gotta share the mic. I got a question, too. Uh, Cluster's up here now. Wow. You guys are a good-looking bunch up there, man. Who's the toughest? Who's the fastest? We're 50. I, I'm trying, I know. That's what I, was, I was trying to make sure you guys were 50. I just wanted to make sure. Because, Cluster, I, 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 I got to ask this question. You got your career at quarterback retired at Nebraska, like I got my career at running back and fullback retired. After retiring, what became of Cluster Johnson, the leading receiver in the 95 season? How did you do it? Why did you humble yourself and say, I'm going to go to a different position? First of all, thank you for having us here. I've been out working. Somebody has to work out here. <laughs> a part of my hanging up the quarterback uh, dreams was Tony Veland. And Brooke Berenger. What a lot of people don't know is Tony, Brooke, and I came in as quarterbacks. And, um, you know, you don't realize what you're getting into once you go to a place like Nebraska. If you're a quarterback at Nebraska, there are a lot of things you need to know. You need to know what the quarterback is doing. You need to know what the linemen are doing. You need to know what the receivers were doing. And that interfered with my social time. <laughs> I mean, I got to learn all this stuff <laughs> when I'm going to have time to party. So, you know, Tony was an outstanding uh, student, so that helped. You know, I think he was valedictorian at Benson. That ain't saying a lot. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> wow. Shots fired. Wow. Hey, listen, I, I, Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Hey, see, we're 50 now. We can harass each other. It's all right. It's all right. He, hey, wait, wait. What school did you go to? What school? Gonna, he's going to take it well. He's going to take it well. <laughs> but um, as I transitioned, I, what a lot of people don't know is I went to DB first, got burnt in the spring game, and I said, nah, this ain't the place for me. Um, so that's why I appreciate people like Kenny Will Height because that is probably, to me, the toughest job uh in football is playing db db and quarterback are two tough jobs uh and then um had an opportunity you know i was a uh what coach brown would say a, a doorstep baby you know he took me in then i had to compete with people like abdul muhammad and and um there was vincent hawkins david sizes brett popwell so i'm gonna end the story on this i'm gonna pass it okay this is when i knew i was in for a rude awakening. 
In 92, and y'all gonna remember this, we played Kansas State in Japan, okay? They took the top four at each position. As I migrated over to wingback, I was fifth. They took two walk-ons in front of me. That's how tough it was at Nebraska. Even the walk-ons were tough. So I knew at that moment in time I needed to either step my game up or quit. So, you know, I chose to, to step my game up. But it really sucked sitting at the bars watching your, your teammates, you know, play, play the game. So after that, I knew I had to turn things around and, you know, it all worked out. Well, round of applause for Custer Yes, yes. Yeah, who, I was ready to quit. I was ready to quit. I played fullback, and, and, and coach came to me, and he was like, uh, yeah, we're going to move Clinton Childs to fullback, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And I'm just like, man, I ain't going to never play here. I should have went to Iowa. I knew it. This is ridiculous. Iowa loved me. They wanted a big back. Nebraska talking about me not playing fullback. I am not going in there and blocking them linebackers every play. I ain't doing it. So I told Cluster, yeah, Cluster, I'm quitting. And he said, you're going to be a quitter. And he really talked me off the ledge. If you quit now, you're going to always quit. So he told me. And when he told me that, he told me some other stuff. And he would forever be a big brother because he talked me off the ledge. What would I have been had I walked away when I was ready to walk away? So a lot of times, I think, you know, you see these guys up here. We help each other. We were coaches on the field for each other. Tony Velan, big brother. Abdul Muhammad, big brother. Even the great AD, the legend that he was on the practice field, my big brother. Somebody's going to take the hits on Friday. I yeah, hey, listen. And, 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 and listen, I'm not. Saturdays I'm not, was a day of rest for me. I'm not taking a shot at AD. Let me tell you why. Because me and AD, for two years, became very acquainted with the scout team in the black shirts. Hey, hey give me some, AD. We, me and AD, and I was on scholarship, are part of the greatest scout team in America. There were some fights. Period. I'm going to say this real quick, man. First of all, Cluster and Abdul, all these guys taught us, regardless of where you were on the depth chart, the, the scout team practices against Tony and those guys. In fact, Abdul and the older guys, Corey Dixon, Tremaine Bell, they, we'd watch those film. And we would go against the black shirts every day full bore. And there was Kenny Wilhite. I mean, Kenny, for, I remember first seeing Kenny, I'm like, this dude's like 5'1". You know, I'm like, but play like he's 6'1". And Kenny introduced me to college football because you weren't just running by those guys. I mean, physically, Kenny Wilhite, uh, Toby Wright, Kareem Moss. I never forget us checking in. And Toby came in early along with Kareem Moss because they came Juco. I literally could not get off the line of scrimmage. And Coach Brown was watching the film. He goes, beat me, kick me, stomp me. Because that's exactly what they did to us at the line of scrimmage. We couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. But it's because of those guys like Kenny and um, that taught us those things, the older guys. And I'm going to bring it to Kenny. Kenny, I'll let you go. To, uh, we got to get Strickland. Because first of all, the deadliest combination of quarterback and receiver in the state in my lifetime was Eric Strickland and Cluster Johnson. Thank you. 
No, no disrespect, Tony. I mean, let's put that out there. Tony gonna beat both of us up in the parking lot. <laughs> directly at me. Hey, I had to look at I had to look at Tony when I said that because now, now here, here's the deal. They we beat us. We competed they in beat high us, school, but I got mine. <laughs> well, the, the thing that happened was because you would look at the World Herald, and I would see where my name was. It was me, John Ochoa, yourself, and Reggie Bought. And I kept saying, man, who is this Eric Strickland dude? I mean, it was like video game numbers, and you've seen Cluster on the news, Channel 7, running down the field, and no one catching him. And it was like, Strickland's the same size he is now in ninth grade. <laughs> and I'm not joking. I'm like, okay, somebody need to check this man's birth certificate. But he was just a murderer out there. But Kenny, I want to ask you this, man. You came from St. Louis, and you recruit, if you, you got to share this story. How Coach Osborne recruited you is one of the greatest stories ever in recruitment. A lot of people don't know how he recruited you and how he got you here literally changed the trajectory of your life. Whew. Yeah, um, like he said, uh, again, thank you guys for being here. It's just an honor to be on stage with these guys. I, I call these guys my little brother, my little brothers. Um, like AD said, I was a former quarterback. I was a high school quarterback. And no Retired. He didn't leave the team, though. He just got retired. Yeah, he didn't leave. You just put him in a different position. You don't let him leave. So as, as a high school quarterback, I, I was uh, Tony Veland. I was an Oklahoma fan. I was an uh, op option quarterback. They had Jamel Holloway, Charles Thompson. So my, I wanted to go to Oklahoma. Um, ended up at junior college, played two years at Dodge City, was an All-American quarterback, and the recruiting process started all over again. I grew up in a house in St. Louis. It was 26 of us in one house. Uh, my neighborhood was so bad that, you know, Coach Brown went, to, told the cab driver to, to wait on him. The cab driver said, I ain't, I'm not sitting out here. You got to call me when you're done. <laughs> so, again, the recruiting process started all over again. And um, so it came down to two schools, um, University of Pacific. And you guys might say the University of Pacific. Well, John Gruden was a recruiting guy that was recruiting me. You guys know who John Gruden is, right? So he was recruiting me, and then Coach Brown was recruiting me from the University of Nebraska. So I went on my recruiting visit to uh, Pacific, and uh, there was a lot of money being thrown around. Uh, again, 26 of us, one house. You know, we didn't know where the next meal was coming from. I'm the oldest of four boys. So I, I went home, talk, called my mom. She, I told her, and I said, I'm going to Nebraska next week. We'll see how that goes. I came up to Nebraska. And a great visit. You know, they didn't offer me anything. They just told me, hey, you're going to give an opportunity to play here. We didn't know where. You're a good athlete. Again, I was a quarterback. Like Vershawn said, I was 5'1 on a good day. But um, so then I, I said, hold on. Nobody's went to my neighborhood in St. Louis to sit down with my family. So I told Gruden, I said, hey, you have to get your head coach to go sit in my living room in St. Louis. He worked on it. He could get his head coach to do it. Told Coach Osborne the same thing. Well, him and Coach Brown showed up, Dodge City. We're in the cafeteria having lunch. He signed 200 autographs in the, in the cafeteria at Dodge City. I said, Coach, you don't have to do that. He goes, it's fine. So I said, okay. So he flew to St. Louis. He called me said, I'm sitting in your living room. I said, Coach, I'm going to University of Nebraska. Just like that. So that, that, that's, that's not the end of the story. So the next week, Las Vegas came in. UNLV came in, and uh, this was 1990. They had the best, best basketball program in the country. And I committed, verbally committed to Nebraska. 
And then UNLV came in, and I called Coach. I said, Coach, hey, uh, I'm going to go check out UNLV. He said, well, Ken, I thought you said. He's the only person I allowed to call me Ken. Nobody else can call me Ken. I, he said, Ken, I thought you was commi uh, committed to us. I said, Coach, I'm from St. Louis. You've seen my house. I'm going to Vegas. I, ain't no guarantee I'm ever going to get to Vegas. I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to see what Vegas is like. So I get off the plane, and it's ironic that one of the most famous running backs in the University of Nebraska was on the same visit with me, Calvin Jones. So we're both there, and we get off the plane, and the head coach picks us up. He puts everybody else on the van, puts us in his Cadillac. So we make a, a pit stop at one of the local casinos, and we go up in the penthouse, and the guy comes from behind his door, and he says, so these are the two? And he was like, yeah. So he reached in his drawer, pulled out the money, goes, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Coach Osborne didn't do that, folks. No, Just letting yeah, you know no. that, right? <laughs> so it, it was a lot of money. And I walked out, I said, can I use your phone? So he told me there's a phone in the other room. And I called my mom. I said, man, this man just put on the table, said it's mine. I'll get 3500 a month if I come here. She's like, what'd you do? I said, I came and called you. <laughs> she, she, she was like, you're going to take it? I said, it's illegal. She goes, well, bring it home to me. I said, you can't take it. <laughs> it's illegal. She goes, well, why are they doing it? I said, hey, that's what they do. So needless to say, I didn't take the money. Um, saw Vegas for what Vegas is what it's for. Called Coach Osborne that Monday said, Coach, hey, I'm still committed to the University of Nebraska. I'm, I'm committed. So somewhere between junior college and reporting to Nebraska, I get shot back home in St. Louis. So my mom said, we're getting you to, out of here before your little brothers get you in trouble. So I was protecting one of my little brothers. I took a bullet for him, I pushed him, and the, and the guy shot, and he hit me. Luckily, he hit me in my arm. So he said, well, yeah, we'll take him, bring him up here early. So I came up, and I wasn't going to tell him, because the bullet's laying next to my bone. It's in my arm still to this day. She said, tell him he needs to know. So I said, hey, coach, um, I got shot yesterday. He looked at me, looked, and then looked at my mom. He said, with a needle? And I said, nah, coach. <laughs> so I lifted my shirt. I lifted my shirt, showed him the bandage. He, and this one, I knew I made the right decision. He looked at my mom, looked at me, looked at my mom, and he said, um, well, do you mind if we keep him here and get him graduated and get you guys out of that neighborhood? My mom said, yep, keep his you-know-what here because his brother's going to get him in trouble. That's when I knew I made the right decision to come to the University of Nebraska. Again, as a former quarterback, junior college quarterback, All-American, I came, all 5'8 of me, 170, and my first year here, and that summer, I couldn't work out because the bullet was still in my arm. And I hear this voice coming out of the locker room, South Stadium. I heard his voice, and it's Johnny Mitchell with his shirt off. And I'm sitting on the bleachers underneath South Stadium. And all he's saying is, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. <laughs> and I'm thinking it's a linebacker or a D-line, the way he looked. But this is a tight end. And I said to myself, I got to get in the weight room. I'll never play here. <laughs> if that's a tight end, he, he, somebody threw him the ball. He threw it right-handed 60 yards. They threw it back to him. He threw it left-handed 60 yards. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> This is a tight end. So that year, I redshirted. I was a scout team quarterback and got beat up by the, the black shirts. So it made me realize that, again, I needed to get my stuff together in order to play here. Next year, I moved to DB, and you guys know, six interceptions later, Rashawn Jackson led the Big Eight in interceptions junior year, right? 
Okay. Si, senor. Si, senor. Si, senor. So, yeah. And look at him now, though. If he would have left, he wouldn't have been who he was. Playing the Canadian, you played in Canada for how long? Five years. Five years playing the professional football league. So, you can't, you know, you can't knock that. We better get uh, Strickland a question, and then we're going to pull out your little raffles, your little tickets. We're going to give away some stuff. And then we're going to open it up to about three questions, three or four questions for you guys, for whoever you want up on the panel. And then we're going to get out of here. Strick. You don't really have to ask me a question. Well, I, I, Why I not, Strickland? Nice y'all. Hey. Strickland, Bellevue West grad, uh, born, born in, in Alabama, but came up here, father, obviously, military vet as well. Um, people don't know that Eric is probably the, he is the most famous walk-on ever at Nebraska. Because That's remember, a fact. he played professional baseball, <laughs> which negated yeah. the response. He could not get a scholarship. Strict, you could have baseball, football, basketball. Why did you choose? With all, and yet offers in all of them, obviously, and played pro baseball as well. And if you can help me out with this, can you name another Husker? Me and Strick have talked about this. Has there any other Husker that you know of that played two pro sports? Because uh, we're still get, trying to think of it. Erstad. Erstad. He played pro baseball. No, he didn't play pro football. He played uh -huh. baseball. So I'm trying to think of another former Husker. And I'm, I'm talking about the annals of history. If you can go uh, way back, I, I can't think of someone who played pro football and baseball or any two pro sports. And to my knowledge, Strick is the only guy that has done that in Nebraska history. With that being said, so think about that. With that being said, Strick, why did you choose basketball? Um, it's a great question. Probably a lot of people don't, don't know. But I was, um, I was kind of a weird kid. And, you know, me and Cluster, we grew up together. And I was weird from the standpoint that um, as a young high school man, young, young, young man, I was looking at collective bargaining agreements. Like, and it would, you know, that would be weird to some people, but so I was looking at football and I, and cause I was act, you know, pretty good at football too. Actually football is probably my sport. And I was looking at football and I was like, dang, you know, if, if I get a signing bonus, then it's only that they can they can get rid of me in two three years and is my money's really not my money so i don't like that so then i kind of stopped playing football obviously cluster johnson goes to nebraska my senior year and i'm coming back i'm like shoot i'm not going out there in the cold and scrounging and running and bumping and grinding and all that and they're gonna kill me i'm gonna have to play running back quarterback d back i'm gonna have to play every position so i'm like i'm not doing it and so not playing, I was like All-State my sophomore year, All-State my junior year. I didn't play my senior year. So my marketing coach says to me, he says, Strick, I think if you go out for baseball, I think you'll get drafted. I was like, I get the heck out of here. Are you crazy? No. And his name was Dave Schillinglaw. You guys might know him or heard him, you know, throughout time here too. But Dave Schillinglaw said, yeah, I think if you get drafted, or you, if you play, you get drafted. I said, all right, I'll play. So I just was going to focus on basketball. And um, played basketball, ended up being All-State again, and then went to play baseball that spring. And I hit like 483, like with astigmatism, like I really couldn't even see. I didn't even know I needed contacts. <laughs> but I hit like 483. Ray Charles on the baseball diamond. They're swinging for the fences. It was crazy. Close your eyes. I, I, didn't find out, I didn't find out I had it until when I was with the Florida Marlins. And, and I'm playing a night game, and I'm, and I'm kind of squinting, and the third base coach says, Eric, can you see? And I was like, yeah. And, 
he was like, no, let's go to the doctor. And I ended up finding out I had astigmatism. I had to get contacts. And boy, when I came back to Nebraska after that, when I was shooting, I was like, ooh, it looked like I could see everything in the rim. Like the rim just lit up like a freaking Christmas tree. I was like, oh my gosh, I can see everything. But um, so that's how when I got, ended up playing the two years, some people would say, you know, I'm a smart man. I made the decision. I ended up, I didn't get drafted. One of the best draft classes in, in you know, probably one of the top five in all time. That 96 class had like Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant, um, Antoine Walker, Jason Kidd. No, he was, he was before that. But he came out early. He was in the same class, but he came out early. Um, what, um, shoot, uh, Marcus Camby, um, Ray Allen. I mean, Steve Nash, I can continue to go. I mean, it's, it's just one of those top-tier t- top t- uh, classes. And I didn't get drafted, but some would say I'm smart, and I'll be, be quick on it. Some would say I'm smart, but I really wasn't. I was playing baseball, and, the, and, and the, um, my coach comes to me, and he's like, Strick, look, um, we're, we're trying to move you up to AA. So uh, it's time to make a decision, because obviously I was doing both at the time. And he's like, um, I think you're a hell of an, an ML, you'd be a hell of an MLB player, but I also think you could probably be a good athlete to play in the NBA. But if you decide that you would go with basketball, just know that it's open and we'll allow you to come back. I was like, cool. So I went and basketball obviously worked out. That was why, how the decision was made. It wasn't like I was just smart, it's just that it worked out to my favor. But as I was looking at baseball, I was like, dang, how long could I stay in the... In, in the minor leagues, like, dang, it could be four years, three, five, I don't know. But let me go give this NBA thing a shot, and that's why it worked out. Nine years later, Eric Strickler, NBA. Give it up for Eric. Get your raffles out real quick. Get your raffles out real quick. We're going we're gonna to raffle off some stuff, and I already pulled. So if you tell me that I cheated, I'm going to tell you to go talk to Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> don't, don't talk to me. He told me to do it on the secret. Okay, here we go. 632-863, Omaha State. Who got it? Where? Oh, up here in the front. Let me see that. Give me that ticket back. I don't want you to cheat, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. That's all you got to say. When somebody cheat, just say Jim Harbaugh. All right, here, here we go for the cooler. 632-949. There it is right there in the back. Come on up. Kenny, you up there on the stage, Kenny. That's why, that's why you up on the stage, Kenny. All right. That's, not, that's a nice one. All right, last one. This is the, this is the, shenan- the, the biggest... Six, did I already read that one? I think I already read that one. Let's take this one. Six, three, two, eight, six, three. Did I read that already? What about this one? Six, three, two, eight, six, three. Did I read that one already? Okay, let's make sure you guys are alive. What about this one? Six, three, two, nine, three, two. Did I read that one already? All right, where you at? You know, it's, for, it's for two tickets to the Iowa game. Nobody? Let's do another one. As you can see, Strickland is still taking. Strickland, you can't win the tickets. Here, you pick her. 
What is it? 2951. 2951, last four. Yeah! You want to get his name right? Okay, so here comes a time when I open it up for questions. Anybody on this side of the room got any questions? What? This will be the first time. I got one. I got one. Where? Where are we at? All right, here we come. Here we come. Here I come. Just a second. Just a second. I only do three, you said? You got one. One? Yeah, you can't get three. Okay. Or I'm going to call you Jim Harbaugh. You got Dang, one. Dang, Debo. Well, this is going to be to uh, AD. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, I was kind of sad when you was talking about the prostate thing. Because yeah. I'm going through that right now. Mm. And I know how important that is. And I didn't have no cancer, but I got to go back six months from now and go through all that stuff. So what you're saying to all the men, that's very important. You don't have to be my age. You could be his age, because I'm 72. And uh, that's important. But let me say real quick, real quick, real quick. Tony, my wife is crazy about you. Uh -oh. <laughs> I ain't do nothing. I don't know what's going on here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Tony, get in line. So is everything. Because she went to Benson High School, too. Okay, so you end up being one of her favorites. All right, I love that. I appreciate that. Right. Appreciate you. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. All right. All right. I, I got a question. Go ahead. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So this is my guy sitting next to me. I always wondered, and I never knew why, when your career was done, you had a chance to go to the next level. You could have you pursued it. Yeah, I got to ask you that. So why didn't you uh, try to go to the next level? It was crazy because uh, Baron, Baron called me. So when Baron got drafted, went to Pittsburgh. And after a couple practices, he called me. He said, hey, man, dude, you supposed to be here. Like, like and so I know why you're saying that. Uh, you know, going against you guys, uh, like at that time, I think we had nine DBs that played in the NFL. And uh, I won't say this out loud, but I used to murder them in practice. <laughs> Mur <laughs> hey, in 101s, when it was time for 101s, uh, it was showtime. Uh, but you know what, Tony, I, uh, where I grew up at in Compton uh, and being so close to Coach Osborne uh, and when I you know, start figuring out what I wanted to do and uh, going home a lot during that time. The kids at that time, man, they needed me. Uh, and I knew that I wanted to help out in the community, in the inner city in particular, because during that time when we grew up, man, it was bad. It was real bad. Uh, you know, what I went through, you know, going home and getting shot, kind of like Kenny, uh, while I was playing at Nebraska. Uh, you know, and it was kids. Uh, but what, what really hit me was we had a kid. Uh, his name was Lawrence. He was big time. Big time football player. Uh, everybody recruiting him. But he was the kid during that time that uh, Pete Carroll, had ended up paying for his funeral. But man, he was from my neighborhood. 
and he looked up to me. Uh, used to watch me play Little League. Every time I would go home, he would come by the house, want to play catch with me, uh, and I took a real liking to him. Uh, but he got he got killed in the drive-by back home. And, man, I said, man, somebody has to, you know, help these kids. Uh, and somebody that they look up to, that they, uh, they're around. Uh, and so, like Derek said when he introduced me, that's, that's, that's what I'm still doing to this day at the Boys and Girls Club, right? Uh, right now, you know, me and Vershawn talk. Me and Cluster talk about it. Uh, I have like five Division One guys that are being recruited that I coach from seven years old up. That I've been a guy. All of them not. I coach at Central, Omaha Central High School right now. Assistant head coach uh, with the Eagles, but I also run the Boys and Girls Club sports program. Uh, which is my pride and joy because I get to mentor those kids. Uh, and we have some tough kids, uh, but with the right mentoring, some of them have been going in the right direction, and some of them are going to make a whole lot of money before they even get to college. Uh, I got some NIL guys. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm the best coach, though. I don't mean I don't mean to make a joke of what I'm about to say, but I'd like to thank the suburbs of Nebraska because I never got shot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> me neither, Cluster. Me neither. Uh, Kenny, Abdul, uh, even Tony—they—they've uh, all had to dodge bullets. <laughs> Bellevue, Nebraska, good old Bellevue. Thank you very much. Okay, I got one more question. Who on this side of the room? Right here. Yeah, question for Tony. Um, I believe you won a Super Bowl. I'd like to hear how you contrast that experience with what you went through with your championships at Nebraska. Yeah, I've, I've had this question asked a couple of times. And, and to be completely honest with you, um, it's really not even close. Uh, my first championship with Nebraska was far exceeds anything else that I experienced. And, and mainly because it took us so long to get but I got it with guys that I grew up with. You know what I mean? These guys that came into 91, like, you know, going from 91 to, to 95, like, I know we, we won a bunch of games, but we endured a lot of hardships through that time. You know what I'm saying? We, we lost some people. Um, you know, we all went through things that was really, really tough. And for us to all, you know, mature and grow into men and actually, you know, realize the goal that we were chasing, you know, together. You know, and do it for our coach, who you know, a lot of us feel as a father figure. Like that was, you know, far enough. That that was that was the greatest feeling that I've ever had. Now, I will say, get a nice fat ring and a fifty thousand dollar check was pretty nice too. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> but it's definitely the first championship all the way. Folks, let's give a round for Tony Veland again. For Kenny Wilhite. Terrell Farley, Abdul Muhammad, Cluster Johnson, Eric Strickland, Rashawn Jackson. And I also want to say this too. I want to thank Ava Thomas and the entire World Herald team that lead in prices the guys yeah. that make this possible. Just wave back there to Ava back Ava. there. Ava, appreciate you so much. And a tipper on golf course for the service and the meals, et cetera. 
Uh, folks, we want to thank all of you for joining us this season. A big shout out uh, to all of our sponsors for making this season a huge success. Uh, we'll be collaborating again in 2024 with the Mahal World Herald to offer more opportunities to get up and close and personal uh, with former and current athletes in all sports, both Lincoln and Omaha areas. So please be sure to sign up to receive announcements by visiting go.omaha.com backslash Big Red Brunch. Let me see that again. Go.omaha.com backslash Big Red Brunch. And tune in every morning, every day, every evening, even on the weekends. All right, I think how many hours of programming do we have now, DP? 18 hours a day. Live. 18 hours of day live from athletes to former guys to the business communities, etc. And stop by and say hello at our new studio because it is state of the art. DP and Beck and the team have done a tremendous job. I'm going to turn it over to DP. Listen, um, wow. Again, I'm moved by all of this. Probably a loved one I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> um, thank you for coming out and doing this. This room is spectacular. Um, I have a question for you. If we did this sort of thing for volleyball, are you showing up? Yeah. Yeah. If, we, if we did this for Jordy Ball and Rhonda Ravel in the softball program, would you show up? If we did this for the basketball programs, would you show up? What I know about you now is they could Put it on a shirt. Nebraska shows. Nebraska shows up. You do. Uh, Rashawn, we cannot end this any other way except the way you end things. Rashawn Jackson, close the show, baby. Hey, guys, thanks a lot for showing up for us real quick. But now it's no. Hey, look. When I say A, you say attitude. It's the ABCs of football. That's all it is. Real simple. Right? Real simple. ABCs of football. I think all these guys were the test. If you can put these ABCs of football to the ABCs of life. Okay? So when I say A, you say attitude. A! Attitude! When I say A, you say attitude. A! Attitude! So the next one would be B. So I'm going to hurry up and get through this. When I say B, you say believe. B! Believe! B! Believe! When I say C, you say commitment. See, you gotta have the right attitude to go to practice, to get up in the morning, to go to work, to do all these different things that we do, right? You gotta believe that you can get it done and make money, right? You gotta be committed to the process and committed to doing the things that the good ones won't do. You wanna be great, right? So I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm saying, are you dedicated? I want you to say, yes, I'm dedicated. Okay? Are you dedicated? Yes, I'm dedicated. Are you dedicated? Yes, I'm dedicated. I'm going to ask you another question. Let me say, are you motivated? Now, everything we went through, because I'm trying to see if you guys are good students and maybe good football players, really make sure you remember, right? A. Attitude. B. Believe. C. Are you motivated? You got to say, Yes, I'm motivated. Okay, let's try that. Are you motivated? Yes, I'm motivated. There it is. Are you dedicated? Okay, we're going to take this from the top now. A. B.
Oh, I got a whole crowd out here today. We're from Nebraska. We don't get done that way. Listen, I'm give me your best Go Big Red. Wait, on me, though. I'm going to say Go Big Red first, right? Go Big Red! Go Big Red! We'll see you guys next year.